And this Go. ball in the air, deep right center Go. field. Two-run home run, Trevor Story. Way back, Myers, watch it go Chuck Nasty. Two-run home run, David Dahl. And Nolan drives this high in the air, deep left field. Take a good look, you won't see it for long. I don't want to lose your love tonight. Into the DNVR Rockies podcast brought to you by Strava Craft Coffee. Remember to use that promo code DNVR20 because when you do, you save 20% off that entire purchase of the CBD infused, deliciously rich, and potentially life altering Strava Craft Coffee. Ah, it really is. It really is just that damn good. I'm your host, Drew Creaseman. I'm the managing editor of DNVR Rockies. With me, as always, is beat writer Patrick Lyons, and on this day we have a very special podcast for you because we are excited to present as an ongoing presentation part of our Hall of Fame week that continues, really it's Hall of Fame week and a half, that just didn't quite look as good on graphics there, so we appreciate super producer Tech and everything that he does for us, you gotta say it like that, but we get to reveal for you our own theoretical Hall of Fame ballots, who we would vote for if we had our votes for this year's nominees. And it's a very interesting class, Patrick. It's always interesting to talk about the Hall <laughs> of Fame because sometimes you got Hall of Fame people that you love. Uh, probably even saw recently someone threw Latroy Hawkins a vote because he's a Hall of Fame person. You also have people that just have provided Hall of Fame memories to the game of baseball and Hall of Fame memories to individual human beings who will never forget that chance opportunity of meeting someone who was the third best player on their favorite team, but still was able to play in the majors for 15, 16 years and never closed out a game and was a seventh inning guy, whatever it may be. We always have something interesting on the Hall of Fame ballot and probably the what voters have been struggling with for, you know, where it's probably going on a decade now at this point is what to do with those guys who have hall of fame numbers and are, I'll say undoubtedly, but we know where their doubt is. Uh, but undoubtedly when they were on the field, they were amongst the best. Why were they the best? That's a horse of a different color, but nevertheless, they were undoubtedly that great. And so that's what voters have been, dealing with for at least a decade. And and it's what we're going to essentially start out with here today is this idea of what do we do with some of these more controversial figures? And it's not just performance enhancing drugs either. Right. Yeah. There's a couple of different ways you can be controversial real quick because you brought it up and and I wanted to address it. Um, That's the other thing that I think needs to be said as we get in here. One of the things that I've started to realize is, you know, there's a reason why this is, it's a voting body. And part of the Sabre conversation about it last week uh, at the Rock. I don't 
include off the field stuff and other people saying, well, you know, I think it's really important that you do so. And that's one of the reasons why we have multiple people vote on this because people are going to have different priorities and, and they're going to care more about some things than others. And, you know, it's, uh, I don't feel like it's a, it's necessarily a great place to tell someone, Oh, you know, you're not voting right. You know, I, I think if you've earned your way into the voting body, then it's up to you to kind of decide what your rubric is, what your, you know, priorities are. The one thing I do ask is that people then, you know, remain consistent to those priorities and be transparent and be able to explain themselves. And you know, we've talked about this stuff about like turning in a ballot with nobody's name on it or turning in a ballot with one name on it. And that one name isn't anywhere close to being the best player on the ballot. And stuff like that, I think, is far worse than saying, you know, I, I am going to take a stand and say, I'm not going to vote for these guys. And maybe that's just me covering my own ass here because as we start, uh, I will say, I have not yet been convinced by either you or Drew Goodman that I should vote for the, broadly speaking, the steroid guys, right? And so that begins really with Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens, the two best steroid guys out there. And then after them, there are a lot of other guys on this list who have been added whose, you know, cases maybe aren't quite as strong. You've got like Sammy Sosa, for example, on that list. And so... Patrick, what is your take? Uh, we talked a little bit about it with Goodman, but why don't you give us your take on these guys? It's a complicated take, and it's one that yeah. when I sat down to you know, work on this theoretical ballot, I, I, I found myself kind of asking questions or, and having to face something that uh, you know, I, I've never had to face before. And my thoughts on it, I don't know if they changed, but... They certainly, uh, you know, be, became a little bit more highlighted around the edges as to what to do with these controversial guys. So I'm, I'm going to read something that all members of the BBWAA have to look at: the rules for election, rules for you know how players can get into the Hall of Fame, and that's something that I actually recommend everyone to go and do uh, do a quick little Google search and and find out how does a guy get on a ballot. What does that look like? And, and what are the rules for voting? And so number five is voting. And it says voting shall be based upon a player's record, playing ability, integrity, sportsmanship, character, and contribution to the team or teams on which the player played. And at any point, when you look at a Hall of Fame ballot, there can be upwards of 30 guys at one point in I think it was 1950, there were 40 guys that were on a ballot that eventually made it to the Hall of Fame. They weren't all voted in, but they eventually made it into the Baseball Hall of Fame. And so in some aspects, you might even be able to make the case that all 25 of the guys on this year's ballot deserve to be in the Hall of Fame. Now, they're not all Willie Mays. They're not all on that upper echelon of greatest Hall of Famers. But I think in many ways, you can make the case that all 25 of these guys could be Hall of Famers if if given the opportunity on a veteran's ballot. But we're not there yet. Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens, all of those guys, they'll have their day in the sun, or maybe they won't, but their family will, and they'll finally get enshrined because I believe, you know, the only guys that have been kept out of the Hall of Fame have been those that have been banned from the game of baseball. That 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 being uh Shoeless Joe Jackson. Uh, and Pete Rose, as far as the Hall of Fame caliber guys, they squashed and they just haven't been able to sniff anything else. So right. 
for me, having read that and saying that it, it, the voting shall be based upon those two things, integrity, sportsmanship, and character, that, that, that really is, is a major wrinkle. And, you know, when I, when I go and look at this ballot, there are a handful of guys that have a lot of character issues and they're not all for PEDs. Uh, we have one for domestic violence. Uh, we have one for, uh, certain political, we have a couple that have interesting political views, but you know, again, just because someone doesn't agree with you politically doesn't necessarily mean they, they shouldn't go in. But if they're saying some very harmful things, Again, we, we haven't necessarily seen anything like this. And in the future, those things will be forgotten about. As crazy as it might seem, that will be forgotten about in the future, just like the Astro sign stealing scandal. It's already, I know it's been a year and, you know, it doesn't make our blood boil quite as much, but it's something that's not going to have the same impact as uh, the, the 1919 Black Sox scandal. Like, excuse, yeah. Um, I think it's, you're totally wrong about that I, th I i think you're absolutely wrong about that with the astros scandal thing and i think you're probably eight players wrong were about banned that, eight players were banned from the game of baseball no one has been banned from the astros so they are nowhere even near each other but the bottom line is going forward people will forget about the astros and they might get no. in with a veterans no. committee no bonds and clemens they might get in with a yeah. veterans committee because people will have forgotten but our job right now is to say drew creaseman Patrick Lyons. How do we feel? Do we want to put these guys in? Because that's what it is, is are the voters choosing to put them in? If veterans want to do it later on down the line, or if historians want to go and look at a forgotten era of baseball in 70 years from now, when we're long gone, they're going to look back and go, Hey, wait, why weren't these players in? Oh, at the time they kind of did something controversial. They were taking performance enhancing drugs but a lot of guys are doing it. You know what? We'll go ahead and forgive them. That's their choice, and that makes sense. And that's why I think we are going to see these guys get in. But do we want to do that? And to get back to that question that you asked me, no, I, I don't want to do that. And I love these guys. I love the memories that they've given me. And it's, it's something I've never had to actually officially answer. I've, I've vacillated back and forth. I was able to straddle the middle and, and have fun with it and say, hey, but they're going to get in anyway, so they're Hall of Famers. But are you or am I going to vote them in? And when posed with that question, no, I'm not. Yeah. Yeah, I think, I think that's right. And I, and I even obviously have harsher views on, on this than you do. And I, I'm not so certain that – history is going to be quite so forgiving. You know, it, it, it's turned out, you know, I thought Pete Rose would have been in by now, uh, you know, so uh, now it hasn't been, you know, like you said, it's take a very long time and, and maybe people will forgive and forget, but um, you know, I, the ineptitude of the league to do anything about it at the time, in my estimation, just makes a lot of this stuff that much worse, whether it be the cheating or the, the steroids or whatever it is. And so, yeah. And, and that'll be an interesting question when some of those Astros guys like a Jose Altuve comes up or whatever, but for now dealing with these guys, yeah. As to, to kind of put kind of a fine point on it, as you were saying there at the end, am I going to put my name on a ballot? That's got a check Mark with the box next to Barry Bond's name, knowing, you know, what he did, knowing that not everybody did it. And, and knowing that it, it does tarnish an entire era 
my childhood era of watching the game, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to forgive those things. So for me, it's, you know, some people have tried to make the argument, well, Bonds and Clemens, you know, they were, they were hall of famers before they ever used. And so maybe some of these other guys or, or without it, right. They'll say that's like, maybe you don't vote for Sammy Sosa because he needed the PEDs to become a Hall of Famer, Manny Ramirez, something like that. But I don't know how we draw that line. You know, exactly. I, I, I that, that's such a fine line to draw there. And when when and was Dan Pete Evans. Rose? When did Pete Rose nullify <laughs> right. his you know candidacy and get suspended because he was a Hall of Famer before then? Well, what if right. he had retired at the age of thirty six? Well, he didn't. The fact remains is, is he did what he did. He left his mark, and y- you can only vote based on that. Right. David, with an interesting question here, and I know several of them are, the PED players starting to fall off the ballot, he says. This is the last year for... It's no, the, ni- second yeah, to last. the ninth year. It's the yeah. ninth year for Bonds. We're getting close. And, yeah. Ninth year for uh, Bonds, so ninth year for Schilling, year. Yeah. ninth year for Clemens, and yeah. ninth year for Sammy Sosa. So yeah. we're going to have to deal with it one more year, and then after that, it, it should you know start to clear things up. But there are a few other guys, too, on this list that... When I went back and I did my homework, I said, well, again, if you, if you got suspended, and, and, and maybe that's where we should start is, is this idea of you know who, who are the guys that have the biggest issues with the character clause. And number one would, would probably, for me, would be Manny Ramirez because he was busted twice. Twice, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, so that's, that, that's a pretty that's hard the, line. That's the best starting point of just saying yeah. definitively we know right. done. That's a 10. Right. If Ryan Braun goes out on to put up Hall of Fame numbers, you know, that'll be another really interesting one because you have the, the failed test and then all of the, like him ruining that guy's career over it too and the, the big, huge lie after it. We heard in the Rocky Mountain Sabre meeting that a lot of guys wanted to give extra credit to Andy Pettit for being one of the only people who came out and said, I did this and it was wrong and I'm sorry, I did it to recover from an injury. I was desperate to stay in the game, but he had a full about face while you know other guys were wagging their fingers at Congress and just making fools of themselves or ruining people's careers. And I don't know how much I buy that, but I don't, I don't dismiss it entirely. I certainly appreciate Andy Pettit having that tact. Sure, and what, what, what does the P stand for again in PEDs? Performance. Ah, yeah. ah, yes, yes, right. yes, yes, yes. He had difficulties uh, yeah, with his that's... performance because sure he was did. injured. Ah, and I love Andy Pettit right. too. That's the other thing too. There's going to be guys that I don't vote for that I love. That if they, if I saw them, I would want to shake their hand. As long as we were both wearing gloves, you know. Again, let's just—it's right. a normal totally. world. Let's pretend. But I, I would, I would, I'd fanboy out. Like I would be shocked. I'd be, I'd be stunned to see these guys and. It would almost bring me to tears. So I still love these guys for the memories that they gave us. But yes, am, am I going to vote them in? So Manny is probably where you would start there with his two. Um, yeah. Roger Clemens, who was a part of the Mitchell Report. Right. Uh, Barry Bonds is also right there. Uh, Andy Pettit. Yeah. Sammy Sosa was also a part of the Mitchell Report. So was Gary Sheffield, which was a guy that I'd kind of forgotten about. Yes. Yeah. Uh, he he kind of you know played through that, and then two other controversial guys are uh, Omar Vizquel, who uh, I, I created a little metric of just 
the controversial factor and on a scale of, of zero to 10. And Mayna Ramirez got a 10 for testing positive twice. Right. Uh, and Omar Vizquel got a 10 for uh, charges of domestic violence. So he yeah. also got a 10. And the other one would be uh, our, our good friend, but not really. Not either of those things. He's not neither good uh, nor a friend. Is uh, Kurt uh, Schilling. Yeah. Right. So let me start with Schilling because, you know, I, I think you said earlier, and I don't want to put this on you, but, you know, political differences and, and you know, I, I understand the temptation to sort of frame it that way. But in my estimation, this is not, this has nothing to do with political differences. Uh, partisan politics is who did you vote for? How do you stand on this party versus that party? And if I was going to withhold my vote as an eventual voting member of the BBWAA, uh, from everyone who had a political party affiliation or who voted for somebody different for president than I am, then I wouldn't be voting for probably the vast majority of people that I will end up voting for. It has nothing to do with what party do you belong to? How, what do you believe the size of government should be? Kurt Schilling has expressed explicitly racist opinions over and over again when it comes to Muslim and Americans. He supported a violent insurrection in this country. And so for me, that's just a line that, that's totally, you know, you might see those as like, there are certainly beliefs that have nothing to do with, with the game of baseball, right? That, so, so that's where, we're, where you're drawing the line. I totally understand when people say, well, we shouldn't hold their, you know, away from baseball stuff against them. And, and my answer to that is, uh, like I said at the beginning, I've to decide what they're going to, to vote for. And I'm not going to sign my name on a ballot for a racist, for a man I know to be a racist. And I know people say, Drew, do, do you think he'd be the first racist in the Hall of Fame? I go, no, I, I know he wouldn't be. But as I've said a few other times, they don't give us the vote to take people out. <laughs> That's not a thing, right? As I think Patrick laid it out really well earlier. Like this is about us in this time or anyone out there who they're voting for, who they choose to vote for. And, and so, no, I, I punch back hard against the idea that because I decide not to vote for Kurt Schilling, who, by the way, I think is kind of a borderline Hall of Famer to begin with. His career ERA plus is basically identical to Brett Saberhagen's. So it's like his best case is like the postseason stuff, right? He was really good in the postseason, was Kurt Schilling. Um, but it's like if your best case is this extra, like, kind of intangible thing, then I can use extra intangible things against you as well. <laughs> yeah, he's he's kind of, you know, borderline. Again, he's he's a Hall of Famer. Like, I, I think he is at, at the end of the day, just like just about all the guys that I've, I've kind of decided I'm not going to vote for. And, and I, I think you're in that same boat. Uh, he, you know, Schilling has also come out and, and said some stuff about, you know, lynching journalists. Uh, this is right. this is like right. years ago, too. So um, yeah, you, you don't want to necessarily give a guy that kind of a platform to it's, it, it puts voters in a, in a very difficult situation, I think, but you know, I, I think it, it's, yeah, you, you put it really well. Like you can't take guys out of the hall of fame. And I, I think in a, in a different time, if you go back and, and create some kind of new hall of fame or new, uh, way of saying, hey, you know what, we've got a lot of borderline hall of fame guys. And and let's really let's really define this thing. Are we saying the top 0.1 percent? If so, let's start from there and let's go in order of just the greatest players of all time and do something like that, 
well, then you're not going to vote in Adrian Cap Anson for everything he did to try to <laughs> right. keep baseball segregated. Right. Yet, right. At that time, voters weren't necessarily concerned with that. Uh, it, it didn't seem to be, you know, as, as much of a big issue as it obviously should have been. And again, we, it was a simpler time, I think, voting uh, and, and simpler time covering sports. I mean, any, if, if you've, I, I think one of the best, um, and, and I, I think it was touched on in Billy Crystal's HBO film, 61, asterisk, mm. is that these guys are going out every night. They're going to the Copacabana. They're getting in fights. They're drinking. They're womanizing. And it was, well, that's kind of a separation of church and state. We're only concerned about what you do on the field. So we heard about this, but we're not going to report on it. And it was just, it, it was a simpler, it wasn't a better time, but it was just simpler. And I think right now, Things are very, very complicated, and we can right. definitively say Barry Bonds is one of the greatest baseball players of all time, with or without steroids. Yet, should the writers vote them in, or should each individual person vote him in? That's totally separate than saying should he be in the Hall of Fame or putting him amongst the rest. Because eventually, when he gets there, he's going to fit in great with all those other guys. You know, on the, yeah. on the field of dreams, and in in, uh, in 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 Iowa, when they go and they come out of the uh, uh, of the corn cobs and, and the corn stalks and all that. Warren Spahn, Cy Young, Walter Johnson, they're going to go, where's Barry at? We're going toe-to-toe. Yeah. -to -toe. They're, they're not going to be able to wait to go one-on-one -on -one with each other. But voting for that is a totally separate thing. Yeah. And then, you know, same thing with Vizquel, obviously, you know, the, the domestic violence thing. It's like, and, and most people... The, the stat community, by the way, is totally head over heels about how this guy is just not even close to being a Hall of Famer anyway. I actually do think that his on-field case is a lot better than it seems uh, with his terrible WRC plus and OPS plus because he hit for no kind of power, but he's actually a pretty consistent batting average guy. And according to a lot of people, one of the best defensive shortstops who ever lived, the fact that he was able to put up 40-plus career war and none of it came from his bat is absolutely nuts. Um, but yeah, again, when you're a borderline guy and then you have a giant controversy, it's like, like you don't you, you don't get the benefit of the doubt when I've already kind of got to squint at your statistics to start making the case. And uh, I, I do think when the time comes, when we get back to understanding the value a little bit better of singles hitters, I, I think that that day will come in the future when guys like Ichiro and, and, and Omar Vizquel who are batting average guys with kind of slugging. I think that'll get more well understood, but no. Yeah. Chick, chicks dig the long ball. They yeah. don't dig a 44 year old guy still being able to play competent defense at shortstop. And it's something that I've, it's pretty amazing. you know, yeah, I, I haven't appreciated that. I think a lot is defense. Right. And yeah. so if Edgar Martinez can go in the hall of fame as a DH for just doing the one side right. of the ball, why shouldn't Omar Vizquel be able to do that defensively? Yeah. So one, one looks obviously a lot more attractive than the other, but nevertheless, <laughs> yeah. two different sides of the game, incomplete players. What Vizquel would, would be a hall of famer, but he, uh, he will not be getting, our votes today he will he will not all right but let's toast our breck brews <clears throat> i'm still on strava hours but still if you got your breck brew out there toast it today for the people who didn't cheat <laughs> during the time when there was a whole lot of cheating going on you know to find it over at some liquor stores 
find it at King Supers down at the DNVR bar. You know, it's damn beer. Whether you got the Avalanche Amber, got a lager, Hot Peak IPA, loving them all. All great beers. Palisade Peach, the Juice Drop IPA. And what's the the Avalanche Amber Ale with the special Zamboni deal they got going yeah, on? Yeah, got to go to Breckbrew.com. Yeah. And uh, there's a link there for you to enter. Uh, they're they're going to be driving around in a Zamboni. I guess it's just they made it street legal. And yeah, you can win some free Avalanche Ale, but you got to do that, I think, uh, by the end of this week. You only got a couple more days. So Breckbrew.com to enter that free little sweepstakes, especially if you live in Denver. That's right. Get it done. Get it done. All right. So we have run through the guys we would not have voted for. Now we toast our Breck brews to the guys we would have voted for. Uh, Patrick, why don't you just give me a guy? Give me, give me one of the guys on your ballot and we can talk about them a little bit. Well, one thing I did was I, I went and I looked through using the, the Jaws metric, which I think is a very good metric. It, it again, puts a number to what we've seen with our, our own eyes and also helps us kind of evaluate a player's place amongst the all-time greatest players because uh, I'm not that old where I saw Brooks Robinson play. Uh, I saw part of Mike Schmidt's career, the, the end, uh, was bad knees and, you know, didn't, didn't, didn't get to see a lot of other, you know, great third baseman uh, of the time. That being said, Jaws metric is is really fantastic, and when you go and look, and again, you you take out the greatest left fielder of all time in Barry Bonds, the third greatest pitcher of all time in Roger Clemens, the tenth greatest right fielder of all time in Manny Ramirez, eighteenth and twenty third best right fielders in Sosa and Sheffield. That leaves the best player at his position on this ballot. That seems like an all around good guy, as Scott Rowland. He's the tenth best third baseman according to the jaws metric and i know he's a guy you like and you know i did get to see him play his his uh his pseudo rookie season in 1996 uh he got hit by a pitch um late in the season and because of that he ended up keeping his rookie eligibility and then went out and was the uh, 1997 rookie of the year award and since then played fantastic defense was was almost nolan arenado light if you will you know definitely didn't Put up the numbers offensively, but defensively was, you know, a fantastic guy, uh, had a really solid career, and he might not be a top five. He might not even necessarily even be on my top ten list of third ba- greatest third baseman of all time in the history of the game. But nevertheless, Scott Rowland's a Hall of Famer, and he gets my vote. Yeah, this is a guy who, when I first thought of, when I first looked at the ballot, I thought, no, Nah, he's probably not a Hall of Famer. And then I spent some time on his baseball reference and fan graphs pages and went, yep, yeah, this guy's a Hall of Famer. And this is a, you know, the much better case for before. Really, the biggest amount of his case comes from his glove. And that's not to say he was a bad hitter. Career WRC plus 122. That's solid. It's not great, but considering that that was the weakest element of his game. <laughs> That's still a pretty darn good bat that produced 316 home runs, uh, over 1,200 RBI throughout his career, and 16.9, or I'm going to go ahead and call that a 70 FWAR. Uh, I don't know what, I, I just have fan graphs up now. I don't have his baseball reference, so, so it's probably a little higher. Usually guys. 
there on baseball reference thing to me, Patrick, is some of these years, like fan graphs got Roland's defense. Uh, the highest Nolan Arenado's ever put up uh, on their defensive metric on fan graphs is a 12.5. And Scott Rowland has a 24.9, a 23.4 on there, plus an 18. And then several at 13, 5, 12, 3, 13, 5, 14, 2. Those are all better than our fan graph sees. Now, I, I've talked a lot about, <laughs> I think some of these metrics, you know, we're still in the infancy of measuring defense and we'll see how all of this stuff ages. I tend to doubt Scott Rowland was treated that much better defensively than Nolan Arenado, but the stats certainly seem to think so. When you see it all pile up that way, it's certainly something where you've got to go back and, and try to appreciate the glove and do everything we can to make sure it doesn't get lost in the sands of time, right? That people just go, hey, he was a pretty good defender. Like, actually, it looks like he was a tremendous defender. He was seven-time All-Star, eight-time Gold Glove Award winner. So right there, you know, Nolan uh, is, is tied with him, is going to certainly look forward to, to kind of surpassing him and I'm, you know, would love to love to hear Nolan's thoughts on Scott Rowland because I'm sure he got to see, you know, a decent part of the, the tail end of his career. Still still won a gold glove in, in 2010 at 35 years old with Cincinnati. So just was was never a, an over-the-top, like, exciting player. Like, made more, right. you know, I, I'm not going to say he made more Brooks Robinson-like plays, but, you know, Nolan makes some spicy-ass plays. Spicy right. ass. Is that we got to get a T-shirt? Right. That. That's spicy ass. Just, yep. uh, just phenomenal. Where like, like Nolan... those, those plays that Jeter makes, like the jump throws. It's, it's unreal. Roland made great plays, but they didn't have like that little bit of flair that Arenado right. got, and I think that's why people might not remember him as being that much of a defensive juggernaut. Right. Like Nolan at times reinvents the position and and yeah. does things that it's yeah. like nobody else would even think to to do that so you can't like fault other people for not having jumped in the middle of the air for a cutoff throw and then thrown it back to third base to get an out or fielded a bunt on the first base side of the pitcher's mound and then thrown to second base to get the lead runner just like that's not things that other people consider doing um nighthawk who i know also watched him as a, a cardinals fan for all those years uh, says one of the most technically sound guys never crazy like nolan exactly right like Bingo. scott roland would make every single play and uh incredibly sure-handed uh, and yeah and i and i think in a for rockies fans if you're going if you're still kind of going ah it just doesn't feel like a hall of famer to say that's how a lot of people think and feel about todd helton and i think these guys cases are very similar it's very much a Go to the stat page, look at the numbers, and then tell me the guy's not a Hall of Famer uh, type situation, right? Like, it, I understand a Scott Rowland doesn't feel like it, but people who watched him really close, like Nighthawk and Patrick watched him closely. I watched him some. He was definitely one of those guys you took note of when he was on. He wasn't on TV a lot, uh, you know, but the numbers just scream. Yeah, he, he belongs in the Hall of Fame. He really was the best defensive third baseman of a generation. And he threw on top of that a pretty darn decent bat, a bat that at 122 WRC plus for his career, that's still a middle of the order 
bat. Not an elite all-time bat, but it's like, man, that's that's a great ball player, man. Two, 281 batting average. So, I mean, yeah. obviously no slouch. Uh, and and you, you mentioned Todd Helton. He obviously is going to get both of our votes. Um, he's actually third uh, on my ballot as far as positional rankings, the 15th best first baseman of all time, which makes sense when you're a five-time All-Star, four-time Silver Slugger, three-time Golden Glove Award winner, and, you know, a guy that just just played ball a really – Played ball the right way, and it, you know that gets that gets thrown on a lot. But you know, you can go back and probably listen, go back and listen to the last seven podcasts that we've done. We've talked about Todd Helton at least somewhat. You know, we celebrated him last week on Todd Helton Day, so I don't know how much more we can share about him. Has he done anything in the last week that's helped his I, cause? I don't. Um, I don't think there is. No. Is no. But yeah, he uh, uh, he should yeah. get in, and his numbers are getting better. And, and stick around. We'll we'll talk about those numbers before the end of the episode, um, as he's in play. And, and and in fact, if you go and look at uh, not Mr. Tibbs on Twitter, there's only about seven. No, there's six players that have a chance of hearing their name called tomorrow because based on the public ballots that have already come out. The other 19 guys, it's impossible. So even if 100% of the ballots right, that we haven't right. seen go towards <laughs> right. you know, Tim Hudson, still doesn't matter. He's still not getting 75%. So hey. there's only about six guys, and, and, and you know, Helton's on that cusp, but he's gained a lot of votes, and uh, we'll see. He's, he's, he's trending in the right direction. Yeah. I think there is a no-duh factor going on with Todd Helton a little bit, too. There's a, like, we're, we've been overthinking this. Everyone remember playing against this guy? Yeah. It was really hard to get him out, right? Yeah. Okay, cool. Like, it's that simple. On. Yeah. Well, do you, do you want to share, uh, you want to throw a name out? Who's a third guy you got on your list? If you've got that many. It sounds like you got Helton and Roland. Anyone else? I've, I've got a few others. Okay, well, I'll How I'll many total you... do you have? How many total do you have? Uh, shoot. I just lost my list. I think it was six, but there's a couple of guys. I'm still, as I'm filling this out, I'm counting this. Like I'm still checking. Like we're all sitting here. There's two names I could be convinced of. I think I have two. Uh, let me, I have five. Yes. Two, maybe. And I think okay. I'm going to give him a vote. I'm going to give him my vote anyway. Okay. I'm, I'm feeling like, yeah, the more we've been having these conversations, the more I'm in favor of voting for more people to at the very least keep them on the ballot for another year and, and reconsider, mm-hmm. uh, you know, their, their legacy. And it's why I don't, it was John Heyman who, who voted for Latroy Hawkins. Right. Um, is that, who's, not sure. Yeah. Not sure. Yeah. Whatever. But I don't think go, it was, I think he was go going for it. retweeted it out and pushed it. But as you, as you mentioned, oh, okay. if you get, if you get less than 5%, you don't come back for another year. That's it. You're done. You're off star search. There's a good reference. Right. You, you don't come back the next week. But if you get that 5%, you can come back next year, and then maybe you get 8, and then you get 12, and then people start realizing, damn, this guy was actually really good, like Kenny Lofton. One ballot, done. Right, I think we that, could still right. be talking right now. He would, I think he would be a guy that gets my vote. He might be a maybe, but probably yes. Like Again, I don't know that the numbers back it up, but even late in his career in the late 30s, you go, all right, let's see. We need a leadoff hitter. I mean, I would be convinced right now. I'd be, I'd be, I'd give Kenny Lofton a non-roster invite on the Rockies right now and go, right, hey, totally. Toppy can learn a couple things. Maybe he, maybe Lofton only has a couple months a left tricks. in him. He could um, teach him a few tricks, definitely on the base paths. And so he got less so, than five percent. So I like, I like your yeah. rationale about you know what, err on the side of 
giving a vote to a guy that probably isn't going to get in based on that one vote, but could keep him around. And then, then we can continue having these conversations. Right. And there's, well, we'll, we'll talk about them later. There's like two guys I would maybe, you know, if I had an actual paper ballot in front of me, I might just go, you know what? Stay on the ballot for next year and check a couple of names and I'll, I'll tell you who those guys are here in a minute. And then people on the internet will come after me. You think so-and-so's a Hall of Famer? But <laughs> let me give you the most controversial guy. I might get that reaction on somebody that uh, I would vote for. That I, again, convinced myself, I think, last year by looking over his numbers. And I don't have all the best ones in front of me. But that is relief pitcher Billy Wagner. I Why is that controversial? Now you mean it in a lowercase C, like there's, there's nothing crazy right. going on with Billy Wagner, more of like a, Ooh, that's, I don't know. A lot of people over here are against it. A lot of people over here are for it. Why do you think that's controversial? Yeah, just sort of like, cause he's like the third or fourth best reliever of his time, you know, and, and we've only just started putting relievers in True. the hall of fame. And I still feel a little bit weird about putting relievers and, and designated hitters in the hall of fame, especially because I feel like there's a lot of guys, uh, two way players, especially guys like Scott Rowland or Carlos Delgado or two way player, but some of these other guys who have been sort of overlooked, um, Helton doesn't get enough credit for his defense. Uh, Walker never got enough credit for all the extra stuff that he did. sort of be like, these totally one dimensional players belong in the hall of fame. Somebody who let's put it another way, put up a grand total of a career 24 F war. Now, we know relievers have a limited ability to put up a counting stat, but that's also part of the point, right? How valuable really was Billy Wagner over his career if he was really worth only worth 24 wins above average reliever? I, I think he was very valuable. He, he also gets my vote. Yep. Yeah, seven-time All-Star. And he's sixth all time in, in career saves with 422, two saves behind John Franco. So three more, and he would have uh, had the all time record for a left hander. So he's up there. And all of the, all the guys in front of him, except John Franco, I think are Hall of Famers. Well, Mariano Rivera, Trevor Hoffman, and Lee Smith, they are all Hall of Famers. Fourth on that list is Francisco Rodriguez, which you can make the case for. Fifth, John Franco. Sixth, Billy Wagner. Dennis Eckersley, number seven, I think he he goes in, was just, he was incredibly dominant as a closer. And, you know, he, he was a guy that could, th for a short guy too, that's the other thing. He was five yeah. foot 10 and he could throw a yeah, hundred miles an hour. Yeah. He had that dirty goatee on and man, he was, he was this little bulldog that you, you would probably have to be, say you were barely afraid of and and twice he got top 10 Cy Young award votes yeah he was he was fourth in 1999 that big year for the Astros and then uh sixth in not in 2006 with the Mets so career 231 ERA I mean right. that's that's hard to do for 11.92 K per nine 2.99 walk per nine I don't. I don't know why his career ended at 38 years old. He was an all star was with say. Atlanta, uh, 143 ERA, 37 saves. That's what he went out on. He went out on that. Yeah, 903 innings pitched in his career, 
422 saves in seven holds, 40 blown saves. You want to talk about how maybe maybe revered isn't the word. You want to talk about how valued he was? Well, his value as a closer earned him $92 million. Yeah. So I'd say he's, he did a pretty good job. And again, that's not the only indicator that we're going to go ahead and use here to put a guy in the hall. But Billy Wagner is definitely on my list. I'm saying, let's go. I don't feel like there's much uh, momentum behind him. I didn't see where he's been at on public ballots. The Rotten Saber people he's totally blasé on Billy Wagner. I'm like, I remember being scared to watch him pitch. Like, <laughs> come on, like, let's go. This guy was amazing. Yeah, he did get did get more votes than um, than Todd Helton last year. So, okay. you know, he's, he was at 31. So, I mean, he'll, he'll be around. I think people will, will eventually figure out he may have to wait a while. Yeah. All right. Next on my list, I think, is on your list. And, man, he fell off after the age of 30. He only had one season where he played 100 games or more. But was just such a great defensive wizard. Was still really great offensively. But the wheels yeah. kind of fell off. And during his time in his prime, he was not a compiler by any means. But I, Andrew Jones gets my vote. Andrew Jones yeah. is a Hall of Famer in my book. Do you concur? Yeah, I do. I do. I would check the box next to Andrew Jones' name, the best defensive center fielder I've ever seen. I'm not that old, and I haven't watched them all. But uh, Dan Evans said the other day at the things as well that made me feel right. a lot better i was like okay cool good because he's seen a lot more defensive center fielders uh up close and yeah you get credit for that i you know we, I, I feel like it's sort of been a theme of today's show but we've said you know you, you don't just have to be the greatest hitter of all time to get into the hall of fame and there was a time when andrew jones was among the best hitters in baseball and he had several 30 plus home run seasons he had 150 home run season ended wow. up with 434 for that's his career that's a lot of home runs 1200 rbi and you know so but a career wrc plus of 111 so you're going okay he's not that's not 80 that's not omar vizquel's 83 though right so if omar vizquel's one of the greatest shortstops of all time and he built up like a 45 war despite his 83 WRC plus. Well, Andrew Jones got the 111 WRC plus and all that defense, 67 on his fan graphs FWAR. And that's why, because he still brought it with the bat. No, he didn't end his career as an elite hitter, but the fact that he was the best center fielder of a generation and at times at his peak was an elite hitter. Yeah, again, I, I feel like the case for him is a lot stronger than it's made out to be publicly that that people on is one of those guys I, I gotta start calling it the Carmelo Anthony syndrome when people focus on everything the player doesn't do and uh, totally forgets about all the things that they do it's like the so like yeah he he declined and ultimately you know he's got a career batting average of like 254 or something I'm sure it'd be one of the one of the worst career batting averages in the history of the Hall of Fame, but 
we've talked about it being a museum for so many other things for people that will defend it for like cheating or whatever. And it's like, well, that's where you go to the museum and people go, how the hell did this guy get into the hall of fame with a career 254 batting average? And then dad or mom puts their arm on the kid's shoulder and says, well, let me tell you a time about a time I saw him track down a fly ball and right center field that nobody thought he had a chance to catch or out underneath that thing. And, took a picture of himself while he was catching it. Like this, this dude could go get the baseball as well as any of us have ever seen. And that in and of itself, I think is hall worthy. We don't have a problem with Ozzie Smith and his career 262 batting average. And, you know, yeah. Andrew Jones, yep. The, the, the pitchers for Atlanta during uh, their early two thousands <laughs> and late nineties. Yeah. We know they were really good, but on offense, it was really, you know, very much about Chipper Jones and Andrew Jones and a bunch of other, you know, guys that kind of would, would pop up all over the place and, and put together some solid seasons. But it was really those two guys on offense that were the, the centerpieces of the lineup. So, yeah, and, Andrew Jones, man, 10 gold gloves. Did, did we mention that? 10 gold gloves? That's fantastic. In center field, not right field, right not left field. Center and, field. And- that's a position that really breaks you down, man. And, and, you know, we, we've talked, I think before about how there aren't enough catchers in the hall of fame because people don't recognize the difficulty of the position. I don't know how many center fielders are in the hall of fame. Um, but you know, it's, it's a very difficult position to play at an elite 23, level something for like that. over a it's decade. A yeah. Yeah. So and he's playing at altitude. He's playing at a thousand feet right. above sea level in Atlanta. Let's keep that in mind, folks. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> that one Uh, all right i only have one more guy oh go ahead go ahead i was just gonna say because speaking of playing at altitude i know a lot of people are living at altitude but they might be looking to live somewhere else at altitude not wanting to go through all the hassle of getting alone with all by themselves not knowing all these things can be very difficult but don't worry because our friends over at Chevalier Mortgage make it super easy on you. Mike and Virginia, they are pros and they're huge Colorado sports fans. So they know a little bit about what you're going through in this area. The, the difficulty with we've all been having the last year in sports. Come on, Avs, get it together. But they will make all that stuff less stressful. And if you head over to dnvrmortgage.com, you enter to win a free DNVR shirt or hat of your choice. And most importantly, they'll hook you up with a free consultation to discuss all of your options. The market is kicking out there. Highly recommend you getting a hold of Mike in Virginia. If you're just even curious about sometime in the next couple of years about moving, uh, it's, it's a very, very, very good thing to do early as possible. Get in on it. You can call Virginia directly at 303-257-6578 or Mike directly at 970-412-2472. And remember, the Chevaliers are the protectors of the realm. They will protect your castle. So get over to dnvrmortgage.com. Michael Chevalier is NMLS number 1931006, and Virginia Chevalier is NMLS number 1910631. If Kent... Oh. His uh, character clause, mm, he had some issues early on in his career, you know, kind of isolated himself, uh, rather famously did not get along with Barry Bonds. So maybe that should actually give him some bonus points. Yeah, I, uh, say, I, maybe. I, I, I remember a really great quote about, you know, depending on who dies first, 
the other person will definitely show up to the funeral just to make sure that that guy's dead. Just to I'm be like, sure. Wow, that, that's some serious hatred. Um, yeah. Again, political beliefs that I don't agree with. However, okay, that's that's fine. I mean, I, I think he's a Hall of Famer. Uh, according to Jaws, it doesn't really help him out too much, the 21st best second baseman. But the dude was a power-hitting second baseman. His defense was always good enough. Uh, I, I don't ever remember it being bad. It was, it was not like, oh yeah, just oh Dan Ugla. That that's it. A guy who yeah. just boot. Well, I think he made two errors in the All Star game, and it was like, oh man, dude, there's, that's really unacceptable. But five time All Star, four time Silver Slugger, won an MVP as well, and so you know for that reason, yeah. most home runs all time as a second baseman. That that's got some value to me, and so so for me, I think Jeff Kent is a Hall of Famer. Yeah, this is the first one I think that we differ on. I've I, I've been so on the fence about Jeff Kent. Um, I remember him being a pretty poor defender. Uh, I don't know, you know, I, how quality my recollection of that is. Um, I. I was sort of encouraged when, again, Dan Evans the other day referred to him as a, a totally one-dimensional player. Again, I, that that felt like, sort of confirmed my own feelings on that. However, and we're okay with know, that. We are okay with that, or we can I mean, be right if you if you right, just do the mean, defense. So be well, it. If you're just it's doing difficult. The offense, so be it. Because so now we've got a, a situation right where it's a little because like Edgar Martinez was only asked to hit. And Billy yeah. Wagner or whoever else, you know, was only at the ninth inning. But Jeff Kent still had to play second base. Now, looking at, you know, fan graphs over the years. Well, he didn't have to play second base. Even. Well, are, right. you, are you making the case right. for him? Like, he, he <laughs> no, was no, better no, than those I'm guys? I'm saying he, he was out defense? there. <laughs> well, maybe. Because if you play defense poorly, then you're not those guys, right? You're, you're, you're hurting your team where other guys are just not contributing. I don't know. It's a very your, difficult your team is place hurting to, your to team. find. Yeah, your, your team has decided that they are okay with your defense enough, where, again, you go, well, that's, <laughs> sure. you know, if, if he was really bad, he would have been a DH, and then his case would have been even better. Like, think about it. At right. 37 years old, he signed a four-year deal worth about between 35 and $40 million by the Dodgers. So – they didn't really have too much of an issue, you know, with his defense. And again, yeah, he, he wasn't wasn't a great defensive second baseman, and he gets in just for, because of the offense. Yeah, right. So, so his case is entirely built around his offense, and I do think it's funny that uh, again his career WRC plus of one twenty three is one point or basically dead even with Scott Rowland's. So we're talking about that being the weaker part of Scott Rowland's game, and I don't think anybody would say, "Oh, Scott yeah. Rowland gets into the Hall of Fame based entirely on his offense," right? Uh, but the the advanced metrics see them as basically the same hitter. Uh, that, that's why it's a little tough for me, is because like, well, if he's the same offensive player as Scott Rowland, and his defense is blah. Now the fifty six career FWAR puts him right there in the conversation that puts him like right like you said and the jaws he's like right on the borderline so he's one of those guys i feel like i could be convinced on jeff kent and and maybe if somebody came along and said ah you know he was 
a better defender than you realize. No, he didn't have much range, but he was sure-handed. He didn't make mistakes. Or will I do? I remember the time he cost Aaron Cook the All Star win. <laughs> but you know, it's you need a slightly larger sample size than that. Um, career strikeout rate of just sixteen percent. That's pretty damned impressive. Uh, yeah, two ninety batting average. Yeah, yeah, more First home runs than Todd Helton. More RBI yeah, than Todd Helton. Yeah, I mean, he, he stayed healthy and and played for a long time, and so he, he does have a little bit of the the compiler thing going on. I do think the you you said the best part for his case, the most home runs for any second baseman. But then uh, I think you know Dan Evans kind of put it well too. Is like, well, he was miscast as a second baseman. He should have been a first baseman, and if he was a first baseman and had these offensive numbers, we'd be putting him in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. I don't like that argument right. that much either, though, because like it's kind of the start of the era where those positional concerns become less of an issue. And guys like Cal Ripken and, and these huge dudes are, are playing a rod young, a rod are playing shortstop now. And it's like, I don't know. I, I, I go back and forth on Jeff Kent a lot. I don't give him any credit either. for the MVP. I get it. Yeah. Right. Ready. Wasn't a superstar. You know, you mentioned on his resume and, and it's there, but of course I'm not going to give him credit for winning MVP in 2000 when he should have come in fifth and not Helton should have won it. Um, you know, he had like a six, five war that year and he was like, fine. Um, but wasn't even the best guy on his team. So yeah. Yeah. But I don't want to hold not a superstar against him either. And I also don't want to hold the, the one quote when I, when I was a kid and he said something about like, um, there was some kind of question about like coming back to spring training, you excited to get back out there on the baseball diamond. He was like, no, I'm not excited. This is just a job. I just come here. I get paid. And I just remember hating that. Uh, But again, that's like such a stupid, but that doesn't mean like, again, that's, is that somewhat equivalent to people saying, well, Larry Walker loved hockey more than he loved baseball. So I'm not going to go for him. It's like, like, that's that's noise. Stop. Right. Yeah. Let's not do that. So, all right, so I got you know, two more guys that are maybe on my in the maybe. future. I'll vote for Kent. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I, I respect that. I got two more guys that are maybe. Okay. And I, I'm going to throw them the vote, but they are they are definitely on the cusp. Do you have anybody else that you are saying, yes, this this for guy? For sure. Is, no. Is yes. I did, well, actually, yeah. There's one guy, and he might be one of your maybe. So I've decided I'm definitely throwing a vote at for now. And <laughs> I got a good uh, feel. I have a feel. I think I know who it is. That's my main man, man Bobby face. Abreu. That was the guy. I knew the it. Big He's my with the big bat. Uh, I knew you were going to like him. I knew once you dug into the numbers, you were going to be all about Bobby Abreu. My man's <laughs> could rake. He could rake. Very Dude, underappreciated. I'm Very. Saying. Was never a, a star by any means. Two-time All-Star. That's it. I mean, I, I saw the entirety of his career, you know, uh, was, mm. was like totally stolen from from Houston in a trade. So from 98 to 2006, he called veteran stadium and then citizens bank park home. And then he immediately goes to the Yankees for three years. So I always saw this guy's career and was just, again, was never a superstar, but was always just so solid, so consistent, you know, could do it, you know, power and could also hit home runs was when 30, 40, 30 homers and 40 stolen bases at 30 years old. Right. Wow. Those stolen base numbers, man. Yeah. 
Like the guy was just an offensive machine. Like he walked 14.6% of the time for his career. He was Joey Votto. He was Joey Votto before Joey Votto. Yeah. 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 That's yeah. Yeah. 129 career WRC plus 59.8, basically a 60 career war player. Uh, yeah, I'm not 100% convinced that he's in, but I think his case is way better than it's being made out to be mm-hmm. publicly, and, and I would give him my vote because I believe he, his case deserves much deeper consideration. Barely got 5% last year. This is his second cool. year on the ballot. Got 5.5%, barely got it, but he's yeah, getting yeah. both of our votes here on the yeah. DNVR Rockies podcast. All right, we're pro Bobby Abreu. Anyone else that's like, yes, Hall of Famer? Let's see. Oh, you got the maybes left. Oh, no, I just got my my two guys who I would want to see continue to be on the ballot. Okay. Then I'll go with my last guy on the list, number seven, seventh and final guy who is a maybe, and he, he ticks a lot of the, the same boxes as Abreu. Now, Jaws doesn't like him quite as well. Then again, he's a starting pitcher, and – there's been a lot of those. I'm not sure if you've heard. It's it's very convenient if you're a position player. You get broken up into to eight different categories of positions. So that really right. kind of narrows it down a whole bunch. In fact, Bobby Abreu, 20th greatest right fielder of all time, according there to Jaws. Go. This man's 90th, and, man, his career still finished incredibly well and was a very respected guy. Could also get through a game in under two hours, which – I, I think you would like that as a, as a fan in a way you're getting out of there. You saw a whole game. Hey, that was great. A little bit of action, putting the ball in play. Cause he wasn't a big strikeout guy. My final vote is going to Mark Burley. Nice. Got a, got a perfect game under his belt. And, you know, again, wasn't a, a superstar ace, but he was like, for a period of time, he was an ace, a uh, very short amount of time. And then he was always a number two starter. I mean, his final season at 36 years old, he was 15 and eight with Toronto north of the border. 1.2 wins above replacement was an all-star the previous year. How do you not continue playing? He's a left-hander. He's just, he's just finding his sweet spot. Lefties don't really start getting good (laughs) until in their early to mid thirties. So he very easily had 214 wins. I'm not going to say easily, but he certainly could have approached maybe 275 wins had he decided to stick around and and compile a little bit. As it were, he did not. Finishes with 214, career 381 ERA, all of which was in the American League except that one season in Miami. And I think, uh, you know, it was also great with the the glove. Four-time gold glove winner, five-time All-Star. I was going to say, I don't know how how his defense is accounted for in his career war or any of that stuff. And, yeah, he was an excellent defender off the mound. So, yeah, Merck. So is Burley on the like maybe that. list or he's not at all for you? You know, I really, I, I hadn't looked deeper into his numbers as much as I thought. It's, it, yeah, you, you've moved him into my maybe category. I think, you know, like you said, uh, really low strikeout numbers, 381 career ERA doesn't stream Hall of Fame, but 52 war for a starting pitcher uh, who, as you mentioned, didn't necessarily stick around and compile as much as he could have. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I could be talked into, to Burley. I certainly wouldn't, 
you know, blink at you and go, what? My quick Mark Burley story, yeah. August 1st, 2005, take my little cousin. We go, uh, I think he was in elementary school. I'm like, let's go to Baltimore. He's like, what? His mom allowed him, uh, 11-year-old kid, to go to Baltimore for the day. So we took the three-hour drive down. I'm like, Burley's pitching. I want to go see him. So there's an indicator that he was an ace. Look at that. I, I'm, I'm now realizing it myself. Drove all the way down to Baltimore to see Mark Burley pitch. He had a streak at the time of about, I want to say, 60 straight games of quality starts. He went six innings and gave up three earned runs or less, which we know is incredibly hard to do. Great streak going. And the sixth inning, so he's a couple outs away. He, I think he ended up, he, no, he didn't. AJ Pruszynski got hit by a pitch in that game. Burley threw inside, hit an Orioles batter, home plate umpire, tossed him out to end his streak of 60 some oh. straight quality starts. And the reason I remember that game was not for that. It was because in right field, hanging up on the old train depot in Camden Yards was, congratulations, Rafael Palmero, 3,000, and they kept keeping track of his hits, 15 or whatever. That day, he wasn't in the lineup. And it wasn't until we got in the car to go home, because we didn't have a smartphone, that we learned Rafael Palmero had tested positive for steroids. That's how I'll never forget that date. was August 1st, 2005. That day. Wow, wow, wow. All right, so you got a, you got a couple That's more guys on your maybe list. Yeah, so for and are they maybe Hall of Famers, or you just want to give them a vote because you're a nice guy? Um, I want to know. There's this, a difference. It's it's the second thing. It's the second. Okay, thing. that's fine. I respect and, that. And right, no, it's more of a, I, I think their time in the game should be appreciated. I think they should be on at least one okay. more ballot. Uh, and I I think uh, Tim Hudson who we've mentioned a couple of times before actually is one of those guys who, um, you know, was like Burley was just very solid for a long time. A career 349 ERA wasn't able to compile uh, as well. Ended with 222 wins to 133 losses. Doesn't have the big strikeout numbers again, super low walk totals, but uh, you know, a, a really good pitcher for both the A's and the Braves for a long time, a, a super steady guy, spent a lot of time in the postseason. And, uh, you know, it's a great ambassador for the game. One of those guys, again, that everybody talks about, really loved Tim Hudson, really great guy. And I kind of remembered him as such. And he, he was just one of those dudes that always pulled for it. And it's very similar to the the rationale that was given today for LaTroy Hawkins, right? It's just like, the guy was just like around for a while, great ambassador for the game and, and pretty good. Uh, basically the same argument, but on the position player side for Torrey Hunter, who I think was a hall of fame talent who didn't put up a hall of fame career. Uh, If anybody came close to being the quality of defender that Andrew Jones did, it it was Torrey Hunter during his time. I mean, at his best, he was absolutely stupendous to watch play center field. And do I think those guys belong in the hall of fame? Probably not, but yeah, I, I I think they deserve a little boost, a little recognition of how good they were in their time and, and, and their contributions during this era. Absolutely. Tim Hudson actually uh, ranked higher than my guy Mark Burley, uh, according to Jaws. 84th, right? Finally got a World Series in 2014 with the Giants. Four different years he got uh, Cy Young Award votes. And Torrey Hunter, think of all the great players who played center field. Or rather, how many guys played center field and then had to move over to one of the corners. Well, 
not all those guys were able to stick it out. And Torrey Hunter was for a good majority of his career. And, and for that, he's the 34th greatest center fielder of all time, according to that metric. So definitely no slouch. The remaining guys on the list, I guess that we'll, we'll go through. <laughs> uh that that they should they should get a mention because again just making the ballot is yeah is fantastic aramis ramirez great power hitting third baseman yeah decent glove too shane victorino who i was i guess i was a little surprised 74th greatest center fielder of all time the flying hawaiian i will never forget going to a game with my dad in philly and it was 10th inning and it was getting late and we got out of our seats and we're kind of walking back to the car, but I think we just, you know, we, we just wanted to move around. We were just tired of sitting and it was, I believe it was a zero zero game and it was the 10th inning. Shane Victorino had an extra inning walk-off home run. Best part. It was Shane Victorino, Shane Victorino hula bobblehead. So it was like a oh, hula yeah. doll because he was a flying Hawaiian. And I think, mm. I think that actually did happen one other time where a guy hit a walk-off home run on his bobblehead day. Bobblehead night, yeah. Shane Victorino. I mean, that's yeah. clutch right there. That, that, that is clutch. clutch. Uh, I, I remember seeing him hit a solo home run right over the scoreboard in right field at Coors. The hitter that Gabaldo Jimenez was working on in game three of the NLDS 2007. The blackout game. Is that that game by myself? And it was cold. Not a Hall of Famer, but managed to irritate and or give joy to a lot of people out there with the people. And how about this? And this is probably a rarity too. Was a rule five pick a rule yeah. five pick. So yeah. he was like, I ah, nobody wanted him. for a rule five. pick. That's amazing. The swish Nick Swisher was great guy. Yeah. I mean, he's, I don't know how he's not running for mayor or governor, wherever he lives. He should be on <laughs> TV enough. more. Great yeah. personality. Yeah. Father played in the big leagues. Uh, was also featured somewhat prominently in Moneyball. Uh, if you remember, came up with, with the A's. So that was a whole big thing of where uh, Oakland was going to go and, and take the Ohio State center fielder. And so go and check that out. He had a good career, was a fun guy. Michael Kadire. Hey, we got a Rocky on the list. Yeah. Yeah. He had a pretty solid career. Again, somebody you might consider throwing a vote to to keep him on the ballot or to recognize that he was a good guy who had a you know, a couple all-star appearances was uh, in two, for two different teams in both the American League and National League, but yeah, not not all of famer. No, no. Uh, Dan Heron, Barry Zito, and AJ Burnett. Barry Zito, man, what, he what a trio. at one point in his yeah. career he seemed like he was headed. He there, was right? on the way. Yeah, he was, he was on the way. way. He, and then he had that just famously terrible contract when he went over to the Giants. But when he was with the right. A's, man, he was. He was one of the best pitchers in baseball. Heron, so up and down. Rockies fans will remember him for surrendering, I believe, back-to-back-to-back-to-back home runs at Coors Field. Four backs? Oh, Will, check check me on that. Will 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 remember. I'm going to go no on that one. I don't think they've ever ever done it the four times. It must have seen – to him, it felt like it. To him, it felt like five. (laughs) (laughs) Dan, Dan Heron's out there going, come on, man. Come on, give me a break. Like at least five. Uh, AJ Burnett, underrated, underrated career, uh, underrated quality pitcher. Didn't he have a couple of World Series championships? Uh, at least one, right? With the '97 Marlins. Uh, no, I think I don't he think he was team? on that team. He's on the 2009 okay. uh, Yankees. So, 
uh that that was oh, when he got the, crazy oh three okay yeah yeah oh three yeah yeah he, yeah yeah oh three marlins he might have been i don't know why i said 97 yeah that's wrong couple yeah a couple yeah, couple yeah, yeah. playoff appearances with pittsburgh too you know so yeah. and all these guys and then dan Heron, you know i think he was traded for adam wainwright or the other way around when wainwright was uh, a young prospect was traded a bunch of times again you think of a trade as like oh teams don't want this guy no other guys other teams just value him even more so he was traded two or three times in his career, and uh, and his career is not really over. His playing career is over, but he's still doing some big things. I think he's uh, I think he's with the Cubs organization, you know, working in some analytics and uh, and is an on the field coach. So he's uh, he's continuing his his baseball lifedom. Right. <laughs> and. Uh, so tomorrow we'll get the announcement, probably right as we're going on air, at least right around there. It's I believe it's at 6.05 Eastern Standard Time, so we'll get some live reactions from myself, uh, Mr. Drew Creaseman, Mr. Drew Goodman we'll have on tomorrow with another great hey. Hall of Fame Week conversation. But right now it's there's about six guys in line that have a chance. Uh, Roger Clemens right now is about 72% of the public votes. You've got Kurt Schilling with 75.3%. You need 75 to get in. You also have Todd Helton at about 505 That's a nice jump. He would need to get about 96% of the private ballots, which are usually much more conservative, in order to get the 75 So that probably won't happen, but that's okay. Made some serious growth. Scott Rowland's right there at 62%, a little further down. Gary Sheffield at 46%. Uh, Omar Visquel's got... This gal's got 40.7% as well. So not too many guys that are in line to even potentially get there. Billy Wagner's there as well. So, um, and, and a really great question by Nighthawk. Uh, I think it could be nobody was elected. I, I think there's a good yeah. chance that we get nobody. Not because they don't deserve it, but just because this is just one of those things that's playing out. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I did find, by the way, you're right, back-to-back-to-back home runs. The thing that made it particularly special was that it was on three consecutive pitches. Now, that's good. Yeah, that's hard. Was uh, Seth Smith, Carlos Gonzalez, and Ryan Spielborgs. Got him on three straight pitches. Yeah, I think four four back-to-backs for four guys to do it in a row. That's... Uh, it's only happened like maybe six to eight times, something like it's that. A but, how about, of times. but how about three in a row on three pitches? That also might be incredibly rare as well. Be pretty rare. Gotta Very be pretty rare. Pretty rare. But all right, so we'll find out uh, here pretty soon who, if anybody, gets into the Hall of Fame. Like Patrick said, we'll have Mr. Goodman along for the ride. It's going to be uh, a lot of fun. And uh, make sure you're following along on social media at Patrick D. Lyons, at Drew Creaseman, at DNVR underscore Rockies. You're subscribed to the DNVR.com so you don't miss out on any of that written content. Plus, you get discounts on hats and shirts and masks. You get a bigger beer when you come down to the DNVR for uh, Avalanche or Nuggets watch party or just to hang out and watch, uh, I think, UFC fights or sometimes just, you know, we've got... uh, capacity limits right now we're keeping everybody safe good thing to rsvp though since we can only have so many people in there but you get that done and when you're a member of the dnvr well you get to come and hang out with us in the discord chat talking about i don't know other sports or 
pro wrestling. Food, movies, food, TV. And there's ideas. probably ones that we haven't started yet. Totally. Join and, and let's figure out like what's what's your what's your inroad? What's that topic, that hobby that you have? Knitting. We don't have a knitting uh, uh, channel out yet. There. But maybe. We need to know. This is all stuff because we're part of the community and we can only grow and keep doing all this stuff if uh, we've got all of you along for the ride. So we thank you very, very much for doing that, continuing to be absolutely awesome out there. We promise you we will continue to be absolutely Patrick Lyons and Drew Creaseman in here. And until next time, we will see you at the ballpark.